at this, ah, there you are, at this time. Doyle, Doyle Carter, please come with the split sermon titled, We Have a Vision, Sir, Please. Was he shocked that I'm not back there instead? I have different seats where I depending on what I do. Normally I'm back there, but not this time. And I am ready for any technical, unless it's human error on my behalf, I'm ready for any technical error on my end. <laughs> so if the paper fades or something, I can continue the sermon, the split sermon. As was announced, June 12th, it was June 12th, can't read up there, eyes aren't that great, but anyway, in two weeks will be Pentecost. So I thought this would be a great opportunity for us to review the visions, or vision, however you want to look at it, or hope that God provides us in our Christian life to help us to overcome the issues. I mean, of course we need God in our life, but we got visions to help us out. Because as human beings, as human beings, we need like a vision or goal or hope. Because if we don't have those, we don't tend to achieve as much. We're not, we don't, basically we just don't do much. We don't have meaning in our life. It's almost as, I was thinking of this last week when I was getting this part. There was a story that came from World War II. There was some inmate, uh, inmates, I guess prisoners, concentration camp, whatever. The guards were, and this was near the end of World War II. Let's see if that helps. It was near the end of World War II, and it was Eastern Europe. And the guards of that concentration camp was just told to keep these people busy. Now, notice what I said, just keep them busy. And they were near a, a town that was in bombs, so they would send them out one day and say, okay, the, the rubble over here, put over here. Okay, they'd go home, go back wherever. Then they'd go, okay, from over here, put it there. And they'd put, then they'd come back the next day, and it's just, just the way it worked. It just kept on, there was no hope. They were doing it for no reason whatsoever. They gathered that, and they were very unhappy. Let's just put it that way. Several wished to be shot after a while. It's like, I don't want to come out here and keep picking up rubble. But without hope, you see, without hope, though, they had no meaning in life. And, of course, the Russians came a month later in freedom, thank goodness. But our, God, our visions and hopes gives us drive. Like Lucille Ball, she was told, and I've said this before already, but it's worth repeating, she was told once by an MG, I think it was MGM or one of the, producers, or one of the studios, said she would never make it. But she had a dream, and somebody believed in her and got, kept her going. But she had a dream, and she kept plugging on along. Because it does say, in, as it says in, as we are told in Proverbs 29, 18, probably behind me, yep. Yeah, the camera up there is not working at the moment. It says, and this is in the King James, so I like the way it says it in here. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision, just, I looked it up for the fun of it, means vision doesn't mean that. also means a message from God. And again, I'm not going to pronounce the Hebrew word. I'll just let it go at that and just say it's H-A-Z-O-N. Vision's awesome. It's like last week when we had, did a ceremony for the kids. You got to hear what the kids' vision were and their hopes and dreams. It was awesome to hear that some of the, two of the teenagers in Pacific I know of wanted to be engineers. That was their goal. That was their dream. And one wanted to be a vet. One wanted to be a pet shop owner, they have visions and goals, which is driving them. And in our Christian life, God is gracious and merciful enough to give us, give us 
visions and goals to help us, like a loving parent. You know, we, loving parent will encourage those goals. Well, God gives us goals. He gives us goals to look for. Gives us hope. So we just don't say, okay, oh, come. Okay, why? I mean, what, you know, you need motivation. And God's gracious enough to give us the, to help encourage us, gives us goals to help us overcome our life issues and the world and to basically endure this earthly journey we are going on. I mean, it's hard enough without help watching world news like I did this week. Ugh. And listen to more news than usual this week than I should have, and that's depressing almost. But that was a side. But Jesus does present us a vision from the Sermon on the Mount. It says in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? And the rest of my sermons in King James, just let, King, New King James, let you know. For after all these things, these Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Don't go overboard with this. It's this concept of first seek ye the kingdom of God. We're not called to be monks and nuns and all that and separate ourselves from the world in that sense because we're, as Ecclesiastes 2.24 says, Solomon was revealed to Solomon, nothing is better for a man that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor this also I saw was from the hand of God. So there's nothing wrong with enjoying the world. We do that at the feast anyway and other, other events like we're going to do on 4th of July. And I don't know if I want to volunteer to be dunked, but I'll enjoy somebody being dunked. But, you know, we can enjoy life. But, we, but the point of uh, where I get from Jesus' statement is, yes, we can enjoy life, but we should have our first goals as being the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is what we should seek first. And no matter what happens to us, that should be our goal. I thought today we'd look into the examples of the men of faith who had this vision, which helped them overcome trials and tribulations in their lives. And I'm going to cheat just a little bit. Instead of going through the whole book, we have an, we have an awesome writer named Paul that went into, in, who actually wrote on this, situ, on this topic himself. In Hebrews 11, I'm going to hit and miss on Hebrews 11 because we'd be here all day if I was to read everything. So, I, so on your own time, it'd be worth definitely reading on your own. But I, I thought I'd hit a few of the high points that I thought really would matter in this. For example, let's read about Abraham. He mentions Abraham. Let's go to verse 9. Perfect. By faith, he, Abraham, dwelled in the, prom, in the land of promise as, in, as a foreign country dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So we see that Abraham, at least one of the things he saw, or one of the items he saw, was that he saw a city that builder and maker was God. And he looked forward to that. So when God told him to leave Ur, he did it. He said, oh, okay, that works. He didn't argue. He didn't seem to worry. He doesn't seem to make the point of be worried. And to, to skip on down to verse 13. 
Speaking of the individuals in the book, it's the chapter itself, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them, or confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And to skip on down to verse or 16, but now they desired a better, that is a heavenly country, therefore God is not ashamed to be their God, and he has prepared a city for them. That was one of their visions. When they took what they took, where they went to prison or where life went well or whatever happened, they saw a vision of a city that God had created for them. In verse 32, even though Brian doesn't have it, it says, For what, shall, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell, which I thought was a joke part just to say, yes, it would fail to tell because there's not enough time today, but it's worth a study. And they endured. For example, there's a, when you go to verse 30, uh, let's see, let's go to 33, just as a general reference. It says, stop the mouths of lions. When Daniel was in a situation, as Matthew Steele's sermon last week, what I like, he actually kind of paralleled some of the ideas I had in these far as examples, where Daniel, they made an executive order. The king made what an executive, equivalent to an executive order, the law of the land. You will not pray to other gods. End of issue. Uh, he didn't know this would affect Daniel, apparently, as you read the story. But, nevertheless, his, Daniel's enemies found him praying when he normally would have prayed, arrested him, threw him in the lion's den. God heard. God shut that, the mouths of the lions. He said, nope, you're not going to eat him. Ah. And the next day, he survived. But Daniel had faith. When he heard the order, he, he said, I'm going to obey my God first, just like the three like the three individuals who had to deal with the fiery furnace. You know, what was their answer? Yeah, we die, we die. If we don't, God cares to save us, great. We will, we will obey God first. And we even see in this, in, this, in this chapter itself, it says in 35, just to break into thought, it says, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain a better resurrection. So they had an idea of a resurrection. And we read, and I don't know if I gave this to, to Ryan, but I'll go ahead and at least go into it. In verse 39, it says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. God gives us a lot of awesome goals. Like I say, we read here that they, they thought of a resurrection, those who wouldn't take a deliverance. We see those who did take some discomfort in life, like when a king made an edict that said, hey, you know, you can't worship any other god. And they go, well, can't do that. God doesn't let me do that. I have to worship the god of the Bible, period. They took comfort in that, and they did. We have many promises, like it says, a, res a better resurrection, a city made by God. So at this point, I, since it is two weeks before pa uh, Pentecost, and normally we focus on resurrection all, I thought we'd, I'd go into four points today. There's probably more, but four points that relate. First off, first, God offers us eternal life 
to those who basically in, in, overcome this world and follow him. I want to put a disclaimer here. Follow doesn't mean you just read it and don't do what he says. Follow means you observe what he says wholeheartedly the way he says it. If he says to... You know, if he, if he says not to hate your enemy, you don't hate your enemy, or whatever he tells you to do. The follow means to actually listen. We see this as an encouragement to one of the churches. Smyrna, to be exact. I thought I'd go to Revelation 2, 10 through 11. That's Revelation 2, 10 through 11. Do not fear any of these things which are about to, you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation for ten days. I'm not sure all the meaning behind that, but God in this warns this church they're just about ready to enter tribulation. It may be even resulting of imprisonment and when we continue possible death. But he says, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who, he who overcometh shall not be hurt by the second death. So this church was actually encouraged by a resurrection. They said, even if it's unto death, just take the fact that you will have a crown of life and the second death won't phase you. In 1 Corinthians 15, we all know this, the resurrection chapter, in verse, verses 50 through 54, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. You shall not, not, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump will sound, and the dead will be risen incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must be put, put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall it be, shall be, bring to pass the saying that says death is swallowed up in victory. What I like about this one is I get older, I actually see how mortal I actually am. So, you know, when you're 20, you never think of it. And as you get older, you start to think of it. I'm not saying I'm old, I'm just saying as you get older. Let's get that right. I'm not saying I'm old, old. But, but I notice the body does start to decay. It is corruptible. <laughs> it gets older, whether... Some is abuse based on various substances we may have, even if it's just overeating or something like that or whatever. But we do start to wane down. Because I notice my energy is slowing down just a hair. I know my dad shocked me when he visited, and I realized he was getting older. <clears throat> we won't go into that. I did, wasn't prepared for it. I got to see him the first time in three years, and I was like, he changed a little bit. But God promises that one day we will be immortal incorruptible. We have life. I didn't give this one to Brian, but it's just a reference. And Paul encourages Titus in one, in one of his introductions by saying, in the hope of eternal life which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. 
I put it in because God. it says God cannot lie. So he promises his eternal life. Second, God offers to us to be part of his family, the God family. We see this, it, and this one only pulled one verse, but it's very pointed to what we need, what's here. In, verse, in Romans 8, 14 through 17, it's also one of, my, one of my favorite scriptures. There's multiples, but that's one of them. For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear but you receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself, himself bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Several points. One, we may suffer. Just got to face it. You know, we have things may hit us, whether it's in a vert, whether it's like a loss of a job, it happens, in a bad economy, or like, uh, like in Smyrna where Satan has now determined to go against this church for some reason, probably because they were doing great, who knows, and decided to throw them in prison, and he, God just said, hey, it's okay, I got this covered. We see that we are the children of God. If... Also, we see that we're heirs and co-heirs. And in other places, it mentions the universe, which is a very vast, actually, if you look at it. Our galaxy has, I think, a trillion stars or something like that. These numbers go over my head, so if I kind of look over a little bit, you've got to realize a trillion doesn't mean anything to me. It's like, okay, a trillion. And then they have billions of galaxies they've detected with the Hubble telescope. And then when you watch, like, universe, which I'm not trying to promote because they unfortunately promote evolution, get a little mad at that. I need my little rubber brick to throw out every now and does that. But when they do show out the facts of all the power and energy, the storms on planets and how things, wow. It's just, it's mind-boggling what God has offered us and then what he's going to have us do with it. Third, we are going to be, we have the option of being a part of the world's solutions. I did mention earlier, the news kind of irritated me this week. We can, but in this case, we will have an option of being a part of the solutions to the world's issues. The kingdom of God, or as Steve puts it, I like the way Steve did it in his sermon, the kingdom solution. To Thyatira, when he was encouraging them in their situation, we see in Revelation 2, 26 through 27, and he who overcometh and keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He will, shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall dash the pieces. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel. The point I was trying to make in here is we will be able to rule with a rod of iron, uh, and I will say it this way because I was talking to someone, righteously. It won't just be out of our agitation and say, hey, these people deserve lightning. No, no, no. God will probably give us guidelines and say, look, we need to take care of the situation. You go. You know, Debbie, Dole, whoever, Art. You go. You go take care of it. Here's the guidelines. Take care of the problem. And we'll know, we will be there to help resolve these issues instead of me driving down the road and hearing about mass shootings and 
riots that go bad and things like that. We won't have to hear those. They'll be stopped. And in that case, I will, we will be a part of it. I shouldn't say I. Well, I will be, but hopefully we all make it. But we'll be a part of it, even all of us who overcome. We see in Revelation, to continue with the idea in Revelation, in Revelation 20, verses 6, it says, Blessed and holy is he who has part of the, in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of, of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So we'll, we'll be reigning as like, like cold rulers or whatever with Christ and God. That is going to be an awesome blessing. So like I said, we'll be able to stop a lot of things we get all irritated at. We won't be helpless. We'll be part of that solution. The, the, the last one, the fourth one, is the one I actually threw in a few days ago. Because when I was reading Hebrews, it talked about a city that God is the builder of. And I don't hear much of it, and I didn't, they don't read much on it, which I should. Actually, when I read it, I was very excited. But Abraham was looking for a city, and then we'll dispense New Jerusalem, that was built by God. In Revelation 21, going through verse 2 through 7, we see that then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from coming out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with man, and they shall be his people. That's an awesome promise in itself. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away, their tear, wipe away every tear from their eyes, and they shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall no more pain, and the former things shall pass away. Continue in verse 5. Then he, he, sat, then he who, who sat at the throne said, Behold, I have made all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And here's what was written. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the foundation of the water of life freely to him who thirst. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and will be, I will be his God and he shall be my son. This, this one actually kind of embraces a lot of things. A lot of items, besides just the city. As I said, he will declare us as his people. He will, declare, he will wipe away our tears. There'll be no more death. Thank goodness, I'll be glad. Because <laughs> as humans, we fear death. We know it ter it's our termination and we just don't like it. He'll take away our tears. He'll get rid of the former things. But, we're caught, but he says, he who overcometh. So we have to overcome. So in summary, basically God offers us, at, oh, we'll do it this way, in the next two weeks and beyond. So as we think about Pentecost, 
and of course go beyond the rest of our earthly life, of course. God, remember, to, remember the visions that God has offered us to help us to overcome. Of course, we have to have Christ, Jesus Christ, and God the Father in our life daily, of course. But I mean, but he, they give us a vision so we know we're not, this is not it. And what is the vision you say? Okay, we've got the option of a resurrection. So we're not going to always physically be what we are now. We'll be much better. We'll have a better body someday. I can see for the first time, instead of me not being able to see back there. My eyes will be good. Your eyes will be good. Things will be great. We'll become a member of the family of God. And my side notes I put in this morning was we'll also be co-heirs as a part of the family. We'll be part of the kingdom of God or the kingdom solution so we won't be getting ulcers and getting frustrated at the world news. At that time when the kingdom comes, people will know peace. We'll also be a part of and see the new Jerusalem that God will build. That is a lot to think about. And I'm sure this is not everything. I mean, this is just big chunks. God has multiple promises. So as I close, just wanted to say that these visions and promises from God will help us not to perish. You know, like it said in, in Proverbs 28:18, you know, without vision they shall perish but to inspire us to continue in God's way of life on this earthly journey that we're on. With God beside us through prayer, Bible study, fasting, all the tools he provides us to help us in our life, we can use these promises to help inspire us to overcome this world and achieve that which God desires of us.